Well, hey, what's going on, beautiful Well family? Uh, it's good to be with you again. I can't wait to actually be with you uh, in person again. I am still praying for the season to end so we can worship King Jesus together. My soul needs it. Your soul needs it, whether or not you realize that. And so, uh, man, I'm excited to still get to connect, though, in this way and finish our Justice and Mercy series today, uh, looking at, really, where do we go from here? Uh, When I sermon prep, what I often do is at the end of my sermon, I'll write on uh, sort of the back end of the page, uh, O-S-N-W, and that's not some weird, like, you know, witchcraft type stuff, that ain't what's going on. Uh, It just means, okay, so now what? And so it's like, okay, hey, after we've talked about all this, like, what do we do now? How do we apply that? And so that's actually the title of the sermon today, okay. So now what? In the midst of all of this stuff that we've been talking about, where do we go from here? Uh, Since we've seen God's heart for different things in the world and we've seen his commands and we've seen how our heart should be responding to his commands, how do we push back darkness in the city? What does it look like for us to continue to really even activate the church as the people of God? It's like, okay, so now what? And so I hope to kind of answer that for us today. If you have your Bibles, grab them. We'll be in Romans chapter 12 to start us off. And as you're turning there, uh, I want to give you a little bit of insight into this book. So Paul, he has spent the last 11 chapters before chapter 12 really laying out the gospel and explaining what the gospel is. And so Paul was laboring away to make sure that the church understood that it was important and even why it was important that Jesus came and then he died and then he rose again, and that he will return one day. And that's a very, very important point for us as a church family. We cannot just be about social issues and miss the biggest issue that is there, that of the gospel. The gospel is primary. It is the biggest injustice that humanity faces, is separation from the God and the lover of their souls. In fact, we can fix every problem in the world and have peace on earth, but if we do not have peace in our hearts with God, then we will have gained the world and lost our souls in the end. Like what good is it to clothe the body if we can't see that we are naked without Christ? And so uh, we need the vertical beam of the cross, our relationship with God. That is the primary thing that we want to be about. And so Paul belabors that point for 11 chapters in Romans, as will we always as a church belabor that point. We are about the blood of Jesus first, the blood of the Son that resurrects our souls, that gives us an eternal life. That is what is most important. But the cross does have two beams. And so the vertical relationship with God then moves us into the horizontal relationship with one another. And that's what Paul does in Romans 12. This is Paul's, okay, so now what moment? Okay, so in light of all of what I've shared about the gospel and who Christ is and what he's done now, how do you act as a church, Roman church? How do we understand how the gospel plays into our life? You see that you have this need for a spiritual savior And so now, how do we begin to apply that and live it out in the world among us? This important daily existence that we have because we are not just a people that is looking towards what is to come, but we try to answer Jesus's prayer in bringing the kingdom on earth as it will be in heaven. We know what is to come. How do we activate it here? Where do we go from here? And so I want to tackle even that today as a church family. And we'll start off in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. And I'm going to have my friend Linda read that for us. 
Hi family, my name is Linda Farah and I'm a Covenant member here at The Well. I go to the Windsor Park CG and I serve on the newly formed prayer team. Today's reading will be in Romans 12 verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, and the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. I thank you for him. So several things here, okay? But the first one that I want to overly, overarchingly cover is this. You can't do everything, and this is why we need the church. That's the main point I want you to take away today. I'm giving it to you up front. If you go get a coffee and a donut and you miss the rest of this, that's what I want you to remember. <laughs> you can't do everything. That's why you need the church. So the church is crucial and needed and necessary. It is the hope of the world, and we need the whole church. I think the temptation for us as a congregation is to hear a series like this and go, man, yes, yes, amen. I want to have more diversity, right? Or, or man, I've never thought about the immigrant in that way, and and I want to do, like, like how can I help within this? Or, or, yes, life in the womb. Or, oh, man, poverty. Like, what do I do? Or politics. Yo, I've been saying that. I said that three weeks ago, remember? Like, and we can kind of get so hype about what's going on. And we get fired up. And we think that in order for us to be a faithful follower of Jesus, then we have to be on the board of 26 nonprofits. We have to serve at least 16 hours a week. We have to give blood six times a month and host three families in our home. And that's when we're faithful, right? Like, we think that we have to respond in all of these different ways, and uh, that is overwhelming. Nobody can do that. Or we've heard all these things, and so we feel overwhelmed, and we're like, I don't know where to start. So, and then we just come, like, incapacitated as a person of God, and we don't move at all. And so uh, this is the power of the church, though. You can't be the whole body. You're not called to be the whole body. Yeah. Now, this doesn't mean that you shouldn't have the right heart for all of these things. We should desire justice in each of the issues that we talked about, and we should desire to see mercy extended to every individual that we identified throughout this series. Our, our hearts should bend towards all of these things. Our, our hearts should long for each of these, and where they don't, we need to ask Jesus to transform our heart to be more like his heart, and to, to think rightly about the unborn, but not the immigrant, is to not be Christ-like. And so we care about everything that God touches because whatever God touches is eternally valuable. And so our hearts need to bend and even bleed for all of these things. But to actually try to do everything would be to do nothing because we wouldn't be able to do everything well. 
And so while our hearts need to bleed for it, our hands can't do all of that because we ain't God. We are not omnipotent and omniscient. We exist in one little place at one time with a limited amount of time. And so we can't do everything. And that is okay, family of God. That is okay. To do everything is impossible. You are not the whole body. You are just a part of it. And that is good news for us. Even today, this is why we need the church. We need every part active to show the full beauty and the majesty of Christ. You dig in so far? Yeah, tracking? Okay. And so too often, I think that we think about those verses that we just read only regards to uh, serving inside of the church. And this is true too. We need every part serving in order for us to be a healthy church. And so we need you loving on us and giving to us and blessing the body. We need your time and your talents and your money and your sacrifice and your love and your prayers and and every part. Like, Like that is true, but it's not just true inside of the church. It's also true where the church activates herself and acts as the church outside in the world around us as well. We need every part active to display the beauty of Christ. Now, notice several things about this text here that I hope is encouraging to you. Firstly, that word think there in verse three. It says we should think soberly, right? This isn't just a mental state, like like I'm thinking about something right now, okay? So like like think about a giraffe, okay? You got it? Like, like all of us are thinking about a giraffe right now, unless you just weren't listening to me and then you heard the word giraffe and you're like, why is dude talking about giraffe in a sermon, right? Uh, and so tomorrow though, you're not gonna be at work and being like, Man, that giraffe though, right? Like, it's a dope animal. Why God make their necks like that? Like, you ain't gonna be doing that tomorrow, okay? Until now, all right? We're all thinking about giraffes tomorrow, all right? Like, man, people at the well really like giraffes, okay? But you're not going to be actively, continually thinking about this spotted creature, right? Uh, it's just a flash in your mind, if you will. That's not what that word think means. That word there is to have a mind state or an attitude, if you will. It's to have a posture in your heart that thinks soberly about yourself is to dedicate yourself towards that. Dedicate your mind to thinking soberly about who you are. And so on this issue of justice, we cannot think too highly of ourselves, thinking that we're awesome because we get an aspect of justice that other people don't yet understand. It's like, you think just because you woke, you a chief? right? Like that ain't true. Why do you think that you're in the position to have the understanding that you have in the first place? Was it by you or by God's sovereignty that he placed you where he placed you and helped you know what you know so that you may boast over other blood-bought brothers and sisters in Christ or over a world that is dying? Or did God give you that as a grace that you might help others see the beauty of Christ with patience, the same patience that God gave to you when you weren't woke on these issues? And so we need to think soberly. Just because we understand something doesn't mean that we actually are are all of a sudden Jesus in this mug, right? We think soberly about ourselves because we know that every gift, whether it's a gift of, 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 of a like spiritual gift or a gift of action, is actually the grace of God that is given to us. He's the one that gave it to us. In fact, verse six says that directly. These gifts are a grace of God. This ain't from us. So this is true in something like preaching, what I'm doing right now, or it's true in serving, verse seven, or acts of mercy, verse eight. 
is true inside and outside the church is what some of these gifts are highlighted here. This is all from God. So we shouldn't think like we're so dope when really the only one that is that awesome is the king of the universe who gives us the ability to breathe in the first place. The very breath in your lungs and your able body is because God has given you a good gift. You glorify him with it, not yourself. And so we don't think too highly of ourselves. But I will say some of us don't actually struggle with that. We don't struggle with thinking too highly of ourselves. We actually struggle with thinking too little of ourselves. And that's not thinking soberly either or level-headed either. We don't see the gifts that God has given us, that we have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, y'all. Like we have gifts. So Paul says there, use them. And look, some of us have 20 gifts and you do have the capacity to be on 12 different ministries. Man, praise God, do that, right? Like that's also a gift from God. Or you may only have two gifts, but rather than spreading yourself broadly like the person with 20, you can actually invest deeply and you can make a deep impact where you are bearing great fruit. Sober judgment isn't thinking too highly of yourself. Like what you have didn't come from God. You were dead before God, by the way right? Like we need the resurrection of Jesus to even activate any good works in the first place. But sober judgment isn't thinking too little of yourself either. Like the God who dwells inside of you somehow isn't more powerful than the darkness that is in the world around you or even the darkness of your own flesh. God is stronger than that. So don't think too little of yourself. You have not been saved and commissioned by a weak God. You have been saved and commissioned by the God who has resurrected himself from the grave and who now sits enthroned over all things. You have been saved by a God who resurrects humans. He can enact goodness through you, y'all. In fact, this God of value, the worthy one, he dwells inside of you and is reestablishing the Imago Dei in you that sin tried to corrupt. And as sin tries to continue to corrupt you and cripple you, I want you to realize the God that is in you is greater than anything that is in the world or even anything inside of you. You can make much of Jesus. You have gifts, use them. Use them, think soberly about yourself. You are his workmanship. He wants to use you to bless the world. When you were saved, he also commissioned you not just into heaven, but onto earth to be his missionary and advocate, his representation on earth. And we get the opportunity to do that, family of God. Don't think too highly of yourself. You ain't that dope. Don't think too little of yourself. God dwells in you. We can now walk in the power of God. We have been given gifts. Think rightly about this. Paul then says, hey, look, there's a bunch of different gifts all in the same body. And so there's unity in our diversity is what you see highlighted on the screen there. Diversity isn't just beautiful ethnically or politically like we talked about last week. It's beautiful in our gifting too. We are different people that are good at different things and where the church cares about different things through their members, then as we're unified underneath the headship of Christ and pointing to him, we actually really bless the world around us as each of us are good or care about different aspects of the kingdom of God. And so each of us in our differences are actually displaying the fullness of Christ more clearly. And what Paul does is he goes on and he names a bunch of the gifts there, which just a really quick 
side note, okay? For those of you who like love the spiritual gift test or like the Enneagram or something like that, okay? No spiritual gift test is exhaustive in scripture. Paul mentions different gifts in every single letter because there's a variety of ways to serve the church that the spirit of God can empower. An easy example of that is worship, the singing of worship to God. All of us are actually commanded by God to sing. Some people just have the ability to draw you into the presence of God, not just because they are good, but because they have been anointed by the Spirit of God with that gift. Even though Paul never mentions worship specifically as a gift, we all know it is because we've all been blessed by it and drawn into the presence of God. In fact, some of the best worship leaders that I know are just okay musicians or singers, but they are anointed men and women of God, blessed with that gift. And so uh, all of our souls would feel so much more significantly encouraged with Anthony leading us in worship than with me leading us in worship, right? So we know it's a spiritual (laughs) gift, okay? Like, listen, I I would lead you to the throne room of grace, but it would be with you going there in prayer, asking for somebody else to lead us, right? Like, I remember one time I was on a plane and I was like humming a song in my head and this woman was next to me and she was like, what you singing? And I was like, oh, it's a, it's a worship song, you know? And she was like, oh, you, you a minister? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, oh, sing it for me. And I was like, I, I can't sing. And she was like, you a minister? You can't sing? <laughs> I was like, I know, I know, I know. Right? So I can't sing, all right? That's all right. All right? But there are a variety of different gifts. That was so off topic, sorry. Uh, a lot of different gifts, and they all differ in different ways. And yet, as we actually walk in our gifts, then we are enabled to activate justice in the world around us. And so this isn't even an exhaustive list of the spiritual gifts, nor was what we covered in this series an exhaustive list of how we can carry out justice on earth. We only hit on six of them, and there's so much more. We didn't hit on things like domestic violence or women's equality or human trafficking, which is a huge problem. In fact, uh, porn, which is aggressively the most sought-after thing on the internet, it is estimated that upwards to 50% of it is uh, victims of human trafficking. And so, like, that's a serious issue, one that I actually personally am passionate about. I would love to see that, uh, man, eradicated on earth. So we didn't mention all the specific issues that we could enact with justice on earth, but we need the whole body acting that. In fact, we didn't even mention the specifics underneath some of the big issues that we covered. Like underneath poverty, we didn't talk directly about homelessness and how really to help or the economic education system to get us out of that place. Or we didn't talk about systemic issues and racial injustice and different things. There's many issues where the church can and should activate. And listen, we need each part of the body fully alive if we're to display the fullness of Christ and who he is. We need each other. Essentially, what I'm saying is, I hope that you feel and find where God has wired you and gifted you, and you just go do it right, on behalf of the church of Jesus Christ, not on behalf of the well, on behalf of the church of Jesus Christ, the big C, the big K kingdom of God that we are ambassadors of, that you try to enact justice and mercy on earth. Once again, you can't do everything. You cannot be the whole body, but do something. 
Begin to allow the vertical gospel to extend your horizontal hands and love your neighbor as you love yourself and as I hope you love your king. And so where has God wired you? What do you care about? What drives you up a wall? What problem do you see that you desire to fix? Man, do something about it, okay? And then what Paul does is he actually rattles off a bunch of commands of how he wants our posture to be as we apply these gifts, both inside and outside the church. And so I want to finish this section here in Romans uh, chapter 12, and we'll read verses 9 through 21, and I'm going to have Maria read that for us. Hi, everyone. My name is Maria Eke. My husband, Tim, and I co-shepherd the Southwest Family Community Group. And today I'm going to be reading from the book of Romans, chapter 12, starting in verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, several things I want to highlight here as we consider how we serve Austin, okay? Notice that we're not just supposed to do this just in general, but we do this because we love. He says, let love be genuine there. If you're into politics just because you care about being right, maybe this is why it's hard for you to show charity to others. If you care about racial reconciliation only in as much as it gives you cool points from the cool crowd, maybe that's why your friend group still looks the exact same as you. Like, we actually have a genuine love. We, we really want to see something happen here. How do we do this? Well, we hate what is evil and we love what is good. And we show honor in the midst of that. I could actually draw that out more, but I'd actually really encourage you to do that in your community groups this week. Draw out what, that, what does it look like to actually hate evil and to love good, okay? One quick way, though, that we can actually help our love grow genuine, Paul says, is that we are constant in prayer. So do you spend more time talking about justice or praying for it and then doing it. You know, uh, if you don't care about the world around you, maybe that's because you haven't been praying about it. Pray and ask that God would change your heart towards some of these things because as we talked about last week, prayer actually works. It is powerful and it is effective. Paul then says that he wants his people to have a healthy zeal. Passionate are the people of God, y'all. God is not apathetic. God is passionate. 
compassionate. We see this even as he sent his son for us. A lot of people, we have what, what I would consider a lazy zeal, right? A zeal that only shows itself on their mouth on Facebook rather than in their hands on the street. Like, we need you on the block, homie, right? Like, not just behind your computer screen. And so, man, we want to be uh, not lazy but active in our zeal. We're not just zealous for zealousy's sake either, though. He says, in our zeal, what are we doing? We are serving the Lord. You see, they're on the screen again. In the midst of our zeal, we're purposeful in who we are pointing to as we try to point others to Jesus in this zealousy. As we try to enact justice on earth, we're not just doing it for justice sake. We're doing it because we believe in Jesus. Because Romans 1 through 11 is true, now we are fired up about that and that's what moves our hands. We are zealous and we serve the Lord. How do you maintain this zeal, Paul says? Well, we hope and we rejoice in it. We notice that things may not be fixed while I am here on this earth, but we are glad that one day our King will come and make all things right again. We are not pessimistic masochists who believe that the whole world is going to a trash heap. Like, we believe that Jesus will make all things right, and we move in light of that. We hope that there are even the glimpses of heaven here, and we do something about it. We maintain fervor by leaning into our hope, and we know that Jesus is going to fix it. And so we trust him even when times are tough, when, look at that word, tribulation does come. But we also have a fervent spirit that doesn't give up in the midst of it. So we're zealous and fervent, and we have this, this, this drive that carries us forward. All of, all of this is individually true in our own hearts as we corporately walk it out amongst the church family as well, both inside and outside the church. So how else do we walk out the gospel? How else do we activate it? Look, Paul is just gunning through this list, right? Which is why I want to gun through it right now even. It's like a machine gun here. He gives command after command after command, okay? Well, one of the striking ways that Paul says we walk in our gifts is we associate with the lowly, he says. There's something that happens to our hearts when we do this, y'all. Anthony and I were talking actually last Monday about our heart and a lot of these issues, but I don't think that that's a mistake that our heart is drawn in a lot of this because both of us grew up in poverty. And so we were the lowly. And so as we associated with the lowly, we likely had a heart that desired to see more justice and the kingdom of God come and God display himself in beautiful ways. We desired to see the gospel in action because we were in the midst of it. And so what happens is, is we're tempted to only hang around people that make us look good or that make us look better. But he says, look, don't do that. Associate with the lowly. Now, here's the deal. I think that every like desire that's kind of common across human hearts is actually a good desire twisted. You should want to hang around people that make you look better. His name is Jesus. And as you hang around him, he does exalt you. But what happens is with every good desire, we twist it and we make it an earthly thing and we put it on man to carry what only a savior can. And so then we try to be around people that make us look better rather than being around people who we are able to help come alive and where we see the very person of Christ too. Because when we serve the immigrant, when we serve the lowly one, when we give a cup of water, when we clothe those in needs, we are doing it to Jesus himself because we are who he associates with. And so we associate with the lonely, and this actually keeps us 
fervent in spirit because I believe it keeps us looking at the face of God. And as we see the face of God, we want to move our hands that much more. Notice, it doesn't just say serve them. It says associate with them. Like be friends with them. Are you friends with people who need justice, with people who do not look like you? Like once you are around the immigrant that is at the border or the black woman who feels marginalized in this country or the homeless vet who is in poverty, you no longer see issues, but you see people, and even you see yourself in them, and this moves your heart to desire to enact the justice and the mercy of God, associate with the lowly. He then talks about God's wrath in that next part, which is another topic for another sermon for another day, but I do think a lot of us struggle with the wrath of God, and it's really because we don't know how to understand this. In irony, all of us feel anger or frustration rise up in our hearts at injustice. This is right, it should, y'all. Like, there's something wrong with your heart if you see a woman being mistreated and you don't care at all. Like, it doesn't move you to emotion at all. Or if you see someone with the inability to provide basic needs for their family and you're like, meh. Like, there's something wrong with that, y'all. Like, like what you are feeling when you feel the emotion, when you see injustice, that's the feeling of wrath. That's what God feels. It's just his wrath is sinless. He always knows how to act in his wrath. And we at times don't know how to carry that out. But God's wrath actually moves him to action because he is going to one day right every wrong. That's his wrath that will drive and his love that will make all things right. And that combination of those two things is actually what Paul commands us to do. Look, lead things to the wrath of God. But he's telling us to be fervent and to be active and to be zealous and to move, but then blend in love in that process as well. And we do that as we trust, Paul tells us, the justice of God, that right will come. But until then, we bring it as best as we can, offering people mercy through our actions. It's wrath that moves us to action. That's why I asked earlier, what drives you up a wall? Fix it. Like that might be God doing something in you to show you what he wants you to care about, how he's created you to do good on earth. Paul then ends this section with this idea that as a church, we don't allow evil to wreck us. And we also don't respond to fire with fire. When you see something that is wrong, you just make it better, okay? We act as agents of redemption in this world. And so we don't respond to hatred with hatred, but we actually respond with acts of mercy because that is us bringing the kingdom and that will push back darkness, y'all. This is what Paul says we're supposed to act, our attitudes as we enact justice on earth. Okay, so now what? Right, what do we do? Okay, well, what did God call you to fix? Do it. This ain't a complicated sermon, right? He's called each of us to have a heart for all these things, once again, to remind us. And there are certain problems that he's actually commanded each of us to partake in, like sharing the gospel with the world around us. That is the greatest injustice, and he's called all of us to be proclaimers of the good news of the kingdom of God. But with the issues of justice, we need the full body, every single member that is doing their part. And so how can you get involved? What does it look like for you? 
Like he showed us how to maintain this heart through the long haul throughout these verses, how to maintain that energy and that zeal that will actually let us act out the gospel from Romans 1 through 11. And so what if you just focused on one or two things, right? Like one or two areas of justice and you tried to bring the mercy and the beauty of God in those areas. What would it look like for you to serve Austin in that way or an organization in that way or your neighbor in that way or through CGs and all the missions liaisons? Like like the CG should be serving regularly. What if you just were really active at getting involved there and you didn't take off that week because you didn't really feel like serving the homeless that week? Like once your faith will move you to action, you will feel more alive in Christ than you ever have before, I promise it because Jesus promised it, and that's what he commanded us to do. But you can't do it all. Once again, y'all, you ain't finna change the world solo, okay? God's army doesn't enlist privates. We need each other. And we actually gave action steps for each of these sermons that I would encourage you to go back and to do that and maybe try to apply some of those things or apply them with your neighbor who needs help. I know this sounds super oversimplified. I'm doing that on purpose because I know that we're a young church, and I know know that uh, we think that impact means that 682 nonprofits will spin out of the well. That's not what impact means, y'all. Listen, that, that'd be dope. I'd be about that if that's what happened. But it could also just mean some individuals fostering kids. And it could mean some CGs serving the homeless with some regularity. And it could mean a ministry that we start to refugees. And what happens is as we do those things slowly but surely, we start pushing back darkness in the city of Austin and bringing the beauty of the kingdom of God. Now look, I skipped over a ton of Romans 12. There's a ton of meat that I left on the table because ultimately, y'all, there aren't any loopholes in this passage. It isn't hard to understand. It's just hard to do. It's just hard to actually walk out. And we need to be empowered by the Spirit and walk in our gifts and in our calling that Christ has placed on us and not get discouraged when the enemy throws the cold water on the fires of our hearts like he often will. We just need to remember these truths. And listen, can I be real? We're doing great as a church, y'all. As Adam mentioned in his hosting time, like we had four liaisons not too long ago, and now we have 24 in our CGs. That's what's up, y'all. We had 80 people sign up for the fostering class, 79 people, right? Like we had the, the racial reconciliation groups, they filled up within three hours, okay? Like we wanted to respond. I saw y'all serving at the source and and giving to women who were in need and giving care to them. Like, like that's awesome. We're not slothful in zeal. Let's just keep going, y'all. Let's keep being about that. And we need the whole church activated, not just a part of it. Because I don't know if you've ever had an injury, but even if the smallest part of your body is injured, you feel like your whole body's crippled sometimes, right? We need the whole body active so that we can show the beauty of Christ, both internal, loving and serving each other, and external, sharing the gospel with and serving the world. And we see this most clearly in the person of Jesus. We see this in our beloved Savior who literally walked like this. In fact, I want to read John chapter 17, verse 4. I've been meditating a lot on this verse recently. And it says this. It's a really simple verse. This is in Jesus's prayer. He says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. You see, Jesus, as a human, walked in the gifting and the calling of the Father. Did Jesus heal every leper? 
No, okay? Did Jesus save every woman that was being mistreated? No. Did Jesus disciple everybody that he saw? No. He couldn't have because he chose to be a human, right? And then he caused the church to do greater works than what he could do as a human because he knows what it is like to be limited in his humanity. Jesus knows that we can't do all things. He didn't do all things as a human. He did not do more than what the Father asked him to do. He could have healed a few more people, but he also didn't do less than what the Father asked him to do. He says he accomplished the work that God had for him. What is the work that God has for you? Accomplish it, walk in it, and Jesus gives us that ability to. He walked in his calling and blessed the church perfectly, and yet he was killed as if he brought nothing but injustice to the world so that when we do stumble, we now will find mercy in Christ to lift us back up and commission us back out to make much of our King Jesus. And so let's walk in the spirit that he gave us, y'all. And let's do a good work and bless his creation like he did. Yeah? 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 Cool? Okay. Yeah. Listen, hey, good job of sticking with us throughout this series, y'all. Okay, I want to say that. We tackled a lot of hard things and no one got fired. All right? Like, <laughs> praise the king, okay? In fact, I'll be real. Y'all have been deeply encouraging to me personally throughout this series at large. And so I do pray that we would be the Tiki Torch and Campbell on issues like this, right? If you were there for us with that. That we would serve and share the gospel. That we would make disciples and live in community and have a dope community here as a church, that we would be the whole church because every member is doing their part, building each other up in love. Let me leave you with this throughout this whole series, okay? Hey, who, who are you serving? Who are you serving? Are you serving the Lord ultimately? If your mind immediately went to the refugee, that's cool, but remember, vertical first. Are you serving the Lord Has the gospel made you fall in love with Jesus? And then because you fall in love with Jesus, then you move as his disciples on earth. Do you see how he has served you and then called you to serve others? If you realize that you are trying to build his kingdom, don't miss that. If you realize you're trying to build his kingdom, you're trying to build his kingdom. If you realize that, then in your service to the church and in your service to the world, this will give you fire for decades, y'all. Not just a few weeks because the sermon series has been fire. If you realize you're serving King Jesus, the worthy one, the one who is worthy of every ounce of energy that we have, is worthy of our full obedience to every command that he has given us, the worthy one who laid down his life for you. If you are serving Jesus and building his kingdom, then you will have fire to last you until he takes you home or comes back and finally writes all the wrong things on this earth. Let us walk in that family of God. We will outdo one another and showing honor and in blessing the world when we realize we are serving a worthy king. And remember, Jesus isn't asking you to be him. He's asking you to be you and to play your part in the church. We are the redemptive plan of God. Not me, not you, not you. We are the redemptive plan of God. The church of God fully activated. Praise God. So let us invest inside and then be the church outside that his name will be glorified. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, I love you guys like crazy. Thanks for sticking throughout this whole series, all right? Let me pray for us.
Jesus, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to extend uh, justice and mercy on earth. Uh, Getting to be your people, your bride, your representatives. God, I confess that I am not the best ambassador of Jesus always. I don't look like you. I don't showcase you. I don't act the way you would act. God, would you forgive me? Would you forgive us where we care more about our comfort than we do others thriving? You ain't do that, Jesus. You gave it up that we might thrive in you. Where we care more about one issue of justice and we totally neglect the others. Look, you told us to uphold the whole law. Help us, God. But would you also show us, where have you called us? Where have you called us to bless your body? God, I pray that all the commands that are universal across the church, like making disciples and sharing our faith and loving one another, would that be true of our body? And then all the commands that are spread throughout the church, where some of us serve and some of us preach and some of us lead each other in worship and some of us serve this group or that group or we give this way or that way, would you help us to learn how to even support one another in that and how to encourage each other in that so that we might be your beautiful bride? Would the well Austin be a beautiful representation of the kingdom that is to come? Would you forgive us where we fail? Would you mature us, Jesus? And then would you help us to walk in you? God, thank you, thank you, thank you for allowing us to be your representatives on earth. God, I pray for those who do not know you right now, who have not made you king. I pray that they would let you come into their hearts and reign and rule they would fix that injustice and then that they would see that you have created them and commissioned them to do beautiful things on earth. God, for all of us who have made you king, would we do beautiful things on earth? Would you give us energy? Would you give us zeal? Would you give us fervency that sustains throughout all of the chaos of the world? Would we make much of you, Jesus? You are worthy. 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 You are worthy, God. So we pray this, and we even sing this last song. As we wrap up this series at large, we sing it to your worthy name, Jesus. Amen.